0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooter Podcast. Tonight, you have me and you have Chris. Hello. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Leo can join in later. Um, but once again, we have a guest, a very special guest. Um, as everybody knows, Chris and I shoot Canic. So tonight, we have hit the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> We've hit the third tier of the Canic shooting team. So let's go ahead and bring in Jason Bradley. How you doing, Jason?
1: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Good, good, good. Great. Been looking forward to this night.
1: Yeah.
0: We've had on Frank Shoe. We've had on Nils Jonasson and now Jason Bradley.
1: Yeah, I've listened to those two. Uh, those two interviews. Thanks for okay. having me. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Trust me. So we usually start with uh, uh, then you know how we start this <laughs> episode. <laughs> We ask a few questions to get to know our guest, in this case, you. So we're going to start with your favorite
1: movie. Okay. Um, prob- probably Idiocracy. Oh, okay. okay. If you're not familiar, it's a documentary uh, in the future of basically what we're going to. So mm-hmm. if you want to know how the future is going to turn out, basically go watch that movie. There you go. Favorite book. Yeah, I remember... <laughs> I don't read a lot, so... <laughs> That's a running uh, trend. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Uh, for <laughs> one of these shooting books, maybe. But no, the The last real book that I think I read was um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh. So I read that before it was a movie. And um, I actually really liked that book. I was traveling a lot for work at the time, so I was always... Uh, I don't remember this was all... This was probably 15 years ago, so I don't really know that the iPads and all that stuff was uh, iPhones, all that stuff was out like they are now. So, um, yeah, I was reading a lot of books.
2: Yeah, I, I say I was reading nice. a
1: lot of books. I read a couple books. I don't know if I read a lot. <laughs> I, might read, I might have read two or three. So to you, that's a lot. That's know? a lot. You know? you to me, that's a lot too. You
2: know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now we're we're gonna get into your um, past a little bit more in a minute, but what about when you're in the military? Did you read? Then?
2: No. <laughs> no.
0: Okay. Well, I got deployed a lot and I read a lot, so
1: <laughs> I drink a lot.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> that that is also a trend in the military. Yep. Now this is the Huggy special question. Your yeah. favorite superhero.
1: Oh, hmm. Oh, superhero? Man, I mean it's kind of hard uh probably not to say Superman, right?
2: Well, uh, you can say Superman. Yeah. That's a I mean, good
1: one. I was thinking, so I was thinking as a kid, what did I like? Um, I liked Superman, um, and then I liked Wolverine, but I don't really think Wolverine's a superhero.
2: Well, actually, kind of is. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, he kind of is, but he's a jerk, and he basically wants to be left alone, and he cusses everybody out. So that's that's not your typical superhero. That's more of your. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of relate to him, um, but <laughs> but yeah. But, so I'd I say mean, one of those.
2: I mean, he's good. He's a team player at times, you know. He's like, okay, you're getting your getting your butt kicked. Okay, I'll come help you, and then he, like says, okay, you're welcome, and I'll I'll go back over here, you know. Yeah. So I I mean, he's a he's a superhero. I I actually like Wolverine. Wolverine is a a pretty tough guy, you know. He's he's I w- I will have to say he's a I'll use the word badass. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I'm with I'm, I'm with stick
0: with your first choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right your all-time favorite gun and your all-time favorite caliber
1: <laughs> um so my all-time favorite gun is the smith and wesson um uh model 17 it's the gun i have it in my my safe behind me here it's the gun i learned to shoot on it's a see i think it was the k22 or something like that and this is like the second or couple generations but um, it's the model 17 Smith and Wesson 22 long rifle, um, revolver. Okay. The one we, ha- the one I have has got an eight and three eighths inch barrel, target trigger, target hammer, and that's the gun I learned to shoot on. Some uh, favorite caliber? Yeah. Yeah. Favorite calibers? probably, oh, man, I hate to say it. <laughs> uh, <sighs> my first thing is to say probably 45, because after I learned how to shoot on this gun, I learned how to shoot on an, the the next gun I shot was another gun I have in the safe was a um, a, a 1911 Colt 1911 and this is a Colt 1911 1911. It's not an A1. It was made in 1913. And um, a local gunsmith friend in in I grew up in Dallas um, got a hold of the gun and and basically rebuilt it. And it was a uh, you know back in the day it was you know this was. All done in the '70s before I was alive but um, so it was basically that era of kind of the custom 1911 gunsmithing and uh, its attack driver so that's a 45 ACP uh, that was the next gun that we shot all the time so probably 45 uh, even though now I don't shoot 45 at all it's all nine millimeter so I would still probably say 45 I like it because they I don't make a 46.
0: Well, now challenge accepted, right? right. So, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna pause for a minute because now I have questions. So I know you're in Arkansas, but you said you grew up in Dallas. Where Mm -hmm. were you born?
1: I was born in Amarillo.
0: Okay, I was born in Dallas.
1: There you go. There we go. Yeah, my brother. Yeah, everybody else in my family was born in Dallas. I was the uh, Amarillo. Yeah, and then we moved right back to Dallas.
0: So they moved down there, had you moved back.
1: Pretty
2: much. Okay. So you're the, so you're the Amarillo kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Amarillo kid.
0: <laughs> All right, back on track. So the, I try to now make the fifth question unique to the guest. So this question is unique to you because of something you posted on social media.
1: Okay, let's hear it.
0: You posted on Instagram recently that you were in a movie, Antoine Fisher. Yep. Was that your favorite moment during your time in the Navy? Not even close. Not even close. Well, this should be a good story then. No. uh,
1: Well, I don't know if I can tell you my my favorite uh, time.
0: Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) That's off the air. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, no, they filmed that movie when I was uh, stationed aboard that ship. And we were asked to be extras in several scenes and even to audition for like scenes, speaking roles. And so um i actually when i watched that movie i recognized a couple people that i was in the navy with And, and in fact a, a good buddy of mine at the time he was in my division and um he was getting out of the navy right as they were doing that like he had a couple months and he was wanting to become an actor and he is an actor now um and like he he got he told uh, our you know chain of command what was going on and they said hey you know we'll get you at least to be able to talk to somebody and so they got him and um he got face to face with denzel washington and denzel washington actually put him in another movie the guy's been in several movies now he's even on a a tv show on um on um, uh, amazon prime and uh, he's been in several movies uh big movies he was in the uh, hunger games movies but anyways he was he was so it's pretty interesting that whole that whole movie how it kind of the memories i have from it um so yeah but no, that was it was actually a very very annoying and boring, boring process. Um so you see anything you see that was actual navy related, I it, when I watch it, I go, I mean in fact it was on like a week ago. I go, that didn't happen. We didn't do that. We don't do that. That's just for show for the movie and like I mean there's so many things I was picking apart in these movies that are not realistic at all for that time and especially the navy. So we stood around a lot, and then they would do a take, and then they would reset, and we'd do another take. And about after about, on this was on diff, several, several different scenes in the movie. And after about the third time that we were doing this on a scene, I basically was like, I'm done. I walked off. And I, I just went and did my own thing. So, yeah.
0: Definitely not your best moment then.
1: Well, it just got boring, and I was like, hey, I'm just somebody in the background. They're not going to miss me. So, Okay, so what was your favorite time then? Well, to be honest, I mean, to be honest with you, it was just the, the having having fun. I mean, I can't think of one particular incident, but um, when you're in the military, uh, at least for me, you, you hate a lot of it, but you you love a lot too. It's one of them deals. Um, especially after you're done, you remember all the good times you and your buddies had in all these countries. You know, trying to do what guys are doing, you know, chase women and party, essentially. (laughs) So that's that's pretty much going to be my favorite thing that I remember was uh, just all that.
0: There you go. All right. So how long have you been competing in the USPSA?
1: Um, I guess this is going to be my fifth year. So I started in 2017. So basically what happened was I, uh, in 2016, a buddy of mine, had said, hey, there's a club out here that shoots IDPA. Uh, why don't you come out and shoot? And he had tried to get me to talk talk me into that. And, you know, probably around the early 2000s, maybe 2005 at the latest, I had went to this indoor gun range and shot a couple different Tuesday nights, like three maybe, uh, IDPA. And it wasn't even a real IDPA stuff. It was just like they used IDPA targets and loosely used the rules. So I shot a couple nights of that. It was, you know – literally like 30 rounds a couple mock stages in these very small indoor gun range and um that was the end of it so i knew what idpa was and um he basically convinced me to come to show up so i did and i i it went well so i was like okay i like this and um i started coming this was like in late 2016. so i started going back and then i started shooting idpa And then this the same club has a USPSA match. And I think I shot one, like one of their club matches at the end of the year. And it didn't take, it might've been just that first match. It didn't take much. It wasn't more than two or three matches before I was kind of like, okay, this is where I kind of want to be. I I like this, this, this uh, organization or this game better, not to, you know, be overly critical of IDPA, but I just enjoyed USPSA more. So right around, that was right around the start of 2017 end of 2016. And, um, I still shot both of them for a little bit, but about halfway through the year of 2017, I completely quit shooting IDP and I haven't shot it since. So, okay.
0: Now, were you shooting a canic from the very beginning?
1: No. Um, I've shot every gun there is <laughs> in almost in almost every division in this brief four-year period. You know, four and a half year period. Um, I, I think at the time, the very first match, I had a Glock 34. So and I had a contact holster and I even had the mag pouches so I had everything except for a vest and so I just showed up and shot that and actually won the match and hurt some feelings and um and uh yeah and so basically you took my lunch money (laughs) yeah yeah just stuck with it and um I for the first probably the first two and a half three years I was shooting another gun every month in another division um, constantly so i shot glocks cz's tanfos sigs smith and wessons i'm pro- and that's just in production <laughs> and uh, you know what i mean and then i shot limited for a couple months open for a couple months uh and then said well let, let me try this i went to another range and i was going to shoot um i was going to shoot limited and i forgot my my gun or i forgot my ammo and a random guy that i'd I don't think I ever met before. And I don't think I've ever seen him since it Says, Hey, do you want to shoot my carry optics gun? I've got everything you need. And, um, I said, yes, I do. And that was pretty much it. So I shot that and, um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to give carry optics a try. And then I bought a Glock or I had some Glocks and just set those up. And then, um, at the end of 2019, I basically was like, I liked the Glock. So I had just gotten back from Nationals. And then about a month later, shot a a, a, a level two major. It was Arkansas section, I believe. And I won won that match. I was 16th at Nationals and then won the Arkansas section. So it was basically like, okay, what am I going to do here? I think I'm going to stick with carry optics, but uh, I want to try another gun. Because that's kind of what I did. And that year i believe nils had just gotten like second at nationals with the with that gun i think in carry optics and yeah. i had i had fired or i had dry fired one a couple times and i said well let me give this gun a try it looks like it looks like it's legit because i mean i knew who Niels was and you know i knew how good he was and didn't think that he would be shooting a gun that was subpar um so i got one and set it up like like he was setting it up that was the beginning of last year 2020. So I stuck with the Canic, shot it all year, was shooting really, really good with it. And I was like, okay, I think, I think I can, I think I'm done switching guns. So, yeah,
0: now you're shooting brass off the top of targets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Not too bad. Not too shabby. Yeah. Now, so in four years, you went from nobody in the USPSA because you weren't even competing in it, right. to second and carry optics to Max Michelle, what were you doing before that, that allowed you to, cause you didn't start, you were probably what a or master.
1: I made master my first classification.
0: There you go. Okay. So what were you doing before that, then that that you were already at that level of shooting?
1: Um, I have shot guns my entire life. So my dad was a very, very, very good bullseye shooter in the 70s, in the 80s when I was a kid, in the 80s. And um, so he taught me how to shoot. So I, I, I knew how to shoot accurately. I knew how to shoot a gun. I wasn't as good as I am now, but I was still very solid at shooting a gun very accurately. So growing up, my dad and I would do things like stick shotgun shells, 410 shot, we'd go to the gun range and there'd be a skeet range. So we would pick up a bunch of shotgun shells. And we would stick them in the ground with the brass sticking up you know about an inch and a half of, of shotgun shell and we would step back and we'd shoot them and you know you shoot till you miss and then okay i got five your turn and we would do that or we would shoot one and and as it rolled back the next person had to then shoot shoot it and then the first person to miss lost and okay. so i mean it was always stuff like that and you know i mean i had a, a pellet rifle as a kid and I would literally go in the backyard and get you know lay on the ground in a prone position and shoot the stems off of like dandelions and, and we're, of course we're not talking about 100 yards we're talking something like that you know it'd be 10 yards right right but I, and I remember this pellet rifle that I had it had a really good Olympic peep sight on it but the trigger was it was complete trash so you had to fight this awful trigger that was it had to be 12 pounds I mean it wasn't 12 pounds but it was probably six and it was just a long hard sponge trigger and you had to fight that the whole time and keep everything um perfect until that pellet left the rifle and so uh, basically I, I i contribute that growing up um to kind of i didn't have to learn how to shoot a gun accurately all i had to do is really learn the game and how to do those things uh and, and improve those aspects of you know transitions recoil management running reloads draws you know the the fundamentals of the actual sport you know action sport shooting kind of stuff so that helped not having to basically i was able to bypass all that fundamentals of accuracy
0: okay that's interesting because i mean i shot i've shot a lot of accuracy competition stuff and my issue is Speed, you know what I mean? Like, that's interesting that you learned all that accuracy stuff and you were able to transition right into the speed game. That's pretty good, that's very impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never thought about that, but I guess that traditionally, what you're basically saying is people that kind of come from the accuracy side first, they usually have that problem of getting that overdrive gear, right? Yes, yeah, and I don't have that problem, and I do, I have the opposite problem. I have to
0: keep, slow down,
2: keep, yeah, keep stuff in check.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: I was going to say, I had that problem slowing down too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's called gravity. I have that problem as well. (laughs) Yeah. So, you
2: know, once I start moving forward, Nursery keeps going and I'm like, oh, God, I can't stop. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, just recently, you actually joined Team Canic. Now, how long has that been in the works, though?
1: Um, I, I don't know, actually, but I mean, we've been talking back and forth for a few months. Um, so yeah, I mean, we finally, finally got it finalized, I guess a week, about two weeks ago. Um, you know, so it, it, but we've been talking for a few months. Um, I met some of the people, I mean, I haven't met them physically, but was introduced to them. We talked back and forth for a while, really, really cool people. So I'm, I'm excited about that.
0: You gonna switch to the rival when it comes out?
1: I don't know. I'm definitely gonna try one. Uh, yeah, if, it, if yeah, if it shows up in America. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think it looks worked. pretty sweet.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that is a nice looking gun. I had to say that. Uh, uh, I was when I saw the release for it, I was just like mouth watering, I'm like, oh my god, when is it coming? You know, and I, and of course on Instagram, everybody's like, you know, asking, you know. When is it coming to the U.S.? You know, that's all everybody wants to know is when it's gonna.
1: Come yeah, I mean, I know enough to be as far as how things work, and I'm not even talking about like in, in, what Canik's got coming. But as far as importing stuff, I've heard enough to basically say something incorrectly. Um, but there's usually processes of they've got to get import licenses or something like that approved, and I think I'm assuming that's probably something that is 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 being worked on. I don't know. But I know there's some things coming, um, but, you know, it's really all I can say. So, yeah, yeah.
0: that's about how Nils was same way. Um, <laughs> so, but that does bring up the question. What is your role with Team canick or is there a role?
1: I'm a sponsored shooter. Okay. I get to. Uh, yeah, I um, I uh, shake babies and kiss hands, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just a, I'm a team shooter, sponsored pro shooter whatever you want to call it. So.
2: Nice.
0: Do you guys uh, have any any plans to meet up at nationals and shoot together or any other
1: match? No, I mean, there's not anything that we've talked about. I mean, I say that Frank and I have texted a little bit in the last, I guess, two weeks that, you know, hey, when we when we are together, let's try to get a picture. That's. Been about it. You know, the year's already kind of planned out for everybody. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, nobody's going to adjust their plans. So, I think we're all shooting nationals. Um, now, as far as shooting together, that's the only match I think of that we're shooting, all three shooting the same match.
0: Well, and I, I could see two of the three shooting on the same squad at nationals.
1: Yeah. I don't know what's going to go on with that squad. I think it's in flux right now because of uh, there's so many. Good shooters coming in this this year. There's going to be pretty much every shooter that is uh, accomplished in any way, shape, or form. At any, I mean, just just solid. Every pistol shooter is probably shooting that, that national. So there's going to be a lot of lot of national champions coming to shoot that match. And then a Ooh, lot of guys that are wanting to become national champions.
0: That's going to be interesting. Mhm. Okay. I saw that you had posted, um, oh my gosh, I've got a dog who's acting jumpy <laughs> um, about s- springs and stuff like that. So I assume, like the rest of us, you've changed out uh, your recoil spring as well as your um, recoil spring guide and your striker spring
1: yeah i i pretty much tra- changed out every spring in the gun and i actually have a couple different configurations um and so basically what i ended up first doing initially because when i got all, got these guns and set them up in 2019 i don't really think there was a lot i think spring co might have had a kit and mm-hmm. i didn't buy it because i had a bunch of glock springs so the first thing i did was is i tried a glock striker spring and those have always worked for me and then I've tried the Glock striker block, the plunger block spring. So I put a reduced power that one in there. Um, and then I left. I've I've always left the trigger return spring stock. And what I ended up doing on mine was, is I just went to Bass Pro, and let me let me grab this real quick. I went to Bass Pro and got a uh, a split ring for, from ta- from the tackle. So it's just um, you go to Bass Pro and a split ring and it's just a circle it's just a little circle ring and this is the number one it's the smallest size i think they had in there and i basically just added that on to the back of my trigger return spring and um because what happens is when you put this freedom smith trigger in there it basically changes where the trigger sits and it basically puts more uh more you probably can't see it it puts more tension on that trigger return spring so all I did was—is yeah, you can't really see it, but all I did was just put that split ring on the back where the, the little hook would sit around the trigger bar. Um, I just added that split ring, and it just increased the basically increased the length of the spring.
2: Okay. So
1: saying all that, if I was setting up a new new shooter's gun, and when I probably set up one of my new ones, I'm probably going to just try out Springco's kit. Um, okay. Yeah. It's simple. I've actually, this, 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 the Striker plunger block that spring, the Springco one I think is a little bit better. It's it's longer than the Glock one, so it kind of, it's a little bit more, it feels just like it's going to have better engagement. So that's what I'm probably going to do. Um, I've also changed out the guide rod in the, in the recoil spring, and I've went through several different setups of that. I tried some Glock ones, and they didn't really work for me. I know other people have had good luck, but the Glock ones didn't. Then I went to um, one that was made for another gun that I got from ZR Tactical, and and then I put a 15-pound Wilson Combat 1911 flat wire spring on it, and that worked all year for me last year. That's what I shot all year. This year, I'm actually shooting a tungsten guide rod with a Commander-length 1911 14-pound spring. So that's working well? it's working really well i've got about five to six thousand rounds on it shot a major with it um it doesn't have the, the now this is one this gun's completely stock um it doesn't have the solid like this gun it it's i mean it's hard to come out of battery but when you have a two light of a recoil spring and this gun with the design of the the i don't know all the exacts and the logistics of it but this gun will come out of battery if you have two light of a recoil spring fairly easy so you could be running and kind of do this and it'll kind of come out of just out of battery enough to where it won't fire and it'll basically what'll happen is it'll still trip the striker and then it'll go into battery and then you've got to rack the slide the glocks do it too if you don't have the right you know every gun will do it so you just have to make sure you know it's you've got the right recoil spring and and again you've got opposing forces with the striker spring versus the recoil spring pushing and pulling but um i've increased the striker spring to like a six pound, maybe even six and a half. This one might even have a six and a half in it. Um, But I'm probably going to go back down to the six. Uh, Why? I don't know. Uh, To be honest with you, I I can't keep track of what's in here. I've got so many of these, or I've got three guns set up and two other ones I'm going to set up. So I'm just going to call it good. Because I even, when I first started shooting this gun, I was putting a four and a half pound striker spring from a Glock in this gun. And other than... And I was shooting Winchester primers. So as long as I was shooting Winchester primers and they were seated deep enough, I was getting them all pop. So I had no problems. I I've heard other people don't have ha, haven't had that luck, but so the stock Glock striker springs a five and a half, but that's probably what I'll I I'll probably just buy the spring co kit and be done with it. Because it's set up for this gun and it's just gonna right. it's just gonna work. So I have okay. a question
2: for you in reference to the tungsten, because I, I like you have uh Two of the SFX. Well, I have two of the SSFX, SS, uh, and I have one with the tungsten guide rod in it, and I have shot it several times. Um, only thing that I did notice is when I actually kind of took the slide off, I was wondering with you, did you notice that your tungsten guide rod seemed to slide out of the um, the uh, the little holding lip and actually move? Or did you have any issues at all with that?
1: I'm not sure. I really understand what you're what you're talking about, but there's
2: mine, and it just kind of
1: comes out just pretty much like any other one. I would expect any other one would feel.
2: Right. I same same with mine, but I'm just saying like I noticed that when I fired it several times, um, when I took it off, I noticed that the guide rod had moved, and oh, um, like oh hold on here what's going on because then that's when i noticed that i like you were saying it wouldn't it was so light that it would actually come out of bat it would, you know wouldn't be in the battery and i was like wondering did you have that issue or did you change your springs to something else to fix that hmm. problem or do you don't, even have that problem
1: yeah i'm not sure i have that problem the only thing again and i'm not sure if this is even what you're talking about so this gun is basically yeah. And so what happens is, is, when you put that in there and you kind of mm-hmm. get it seated like it's supposed to, it will kind of step up on you. But yes. all of the, all of these, every gun I've ever shot does that.
2: Okay.
1: So I don't know if it's what you're talking about, but yes, that's I'm exactly not. What I'm talking about. Yeah, I've never really seen another gun not do that. To be honest with you, so that does not bother me or worry me okay. because, yeah, it's weird. I, I have noticed that um, sometimes. I think
2: right, right. I was just, I was just wondering if you, yeah. you know, being that you put the tungsten guide rod in there <clears throat> if you had seen it, changed it, or done something. So that's good to know. So I gotta be honest
1: watching. with you, I don't even pay attention to it anymore because for whatever reason that seems to be so normal to me, I don't even process it anymore. So okay. I could be, I, I guess I for whatever reason, none, I just don't focus on that area. So right. it's nothing struck jumped out and struck me as incorrect. Okay. I
2: so, will. Right, well, I appreciate that information. Yeah, thank you.
0: Now the interesting thing is I have the Sprintco set up and I have not noticed that at all.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I'm kind of to the point where the more I'm talking about it, I'm realizing, well, I I don't have, I'm, I'm not really even paying attention to that part of the gun when I take it apart. So maybe I'm actually mistaken and not really understanding what he's saying. But I
2: think I am. But no, you're you're right on point. Okay, you're right on point, and uh, that's what I was. Yeah, you you hit it. You hit it. hit it just right so
1: let me take this one yeah so
2: this is I have I have the Sprinko in this one yeah and you can see where I was like you were saying how the let me get that up here how it sits in the first one and then mm-hmm. when I with the tungsten one like you said it will jump up you know to the to the to the back part there and I was mm-hmm. just kind of curious you know if that was happening to you which it did and you're not you're like ah it's okay which i'm good with it you know
1: yeah yeah i just watch it and if it hopefully don't cause you no problems and if it does and then, then you have to probably but yeah i don't think that's something i'm too worried about
2: well and, and I, i'm glad i was just like i just didn't know if like you might have said oh yeah the spring tension or yeah i'm using a different different way to spring so good to know yeah yeah you bet
0: so b- before I forget, I noticed that uh when you were live yesterday shooting at the range, you were talking about your optic going out on you. And you yeah. said this would be the third one.
1: Yeah. And I actually that's what I was doing when we kind of first logged on. I turned it on because I wanted to see it. I'm gonna dry fire it with it the rest of this week and see what it's doing. But so I've only had two dots r- officially or technically break on me where they didn't work. I've had a couple, I've had one other one that I basically saw what looked like it was the, the contact was going to start moving. It started resembling what I'd seen when one does break, how the contact would slip back. And so I sent it to the factory and had it replaced. I've only sent three dots back in, in over two years of shooting. So we're talking, you know, probably, probably 80,000 rounds, two and a half years of shooting with these dots. And I've only had two of them fail on me. Okay. Now, pe- some people would say that. What do you mean, only two? Well, you—I mean, I've got several of them with twenty-five and thirty thousand rounds on them. So,
0: yeah, that's a that's a lot of usage.
1: Yeah. So. So I'm not sure if it's going out, but what happened was, I, it was really hot yesterday. It didn't. It, it, I think it is going out because when I pulled it up to look at it, it wasn't there. So you always kind of go, "Well, did I have it lined up right? Was I, you know, was." Because, you know, when you lose your dot, when you when you draw or you run around a wall, sometimes you, right. you'll have to find your dot. I mean, typically that doesn't happen to me very often. So um, I typically don't think that's what's going on. And then I hit the button and I think it showed up. So that right there told me, you know, hey, this is something going on. In fact, I'm going to pop this battery case open and see if the, the I
0: contact. I actually was- saw when you stopped and you brought it up to your face and was messing with the buttons. I was like, oh, maybe he just forgot to turn it on. <laughs>
1: I have done that. Yeah, I think we've
0: all done that. You know what I mean? You think it's yeah. on, you're, oh, where's it? Oh, it's not on. So,
1: yeah. And this dot, the one that I was, that was shooting yesterday, um, it's probably got, I mean, it's probably got 20,000 on it, to be honest with you. Okay. Or at least 10 or 15. It's hard. I don't really keep track of how many each gun has. I just kind of know. I, I do keep track of how many rounds I load per year. Um, and then when I've done shooting those rounds per year, I said, well, I've shot 30,000 rounds and 90% was on this gun. So I I basically do some quick guesstimation. So you're not Cody
0: Axon where you know it down to the round?
1: Uh, no, I'm not. I don't, (laughs) I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I waste a lot of time on other stuff. That ain't one of the things. I,
0: I, I'm like you. I just have a general number. I'm like, yeah, it's about this much. So, yep. and I know, I know because of some other post you'd made, so are they a sponsor or no? Who's that? Your optic company.
1: No, they are not a sponsor. Uh, okay. I do, however, tag them every once in a while because they have a program for veterans. And so I appreciate that.
0: Well, shoot. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. Okay. And it's free, it's it's uh I mean it's information that's available to anybody. They have a VIP program that if you're a veteran you can become part of. So, okay. If you're a veteran, go look that up, and you're welcome. I will, and thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I also thought something was pretty interesting. Um, you're running at least your the ammo I saw on a table with your canics at the range was 147s.
1: Okay, so that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you saw. Uh, yeah. I did shoot some of those, but like every yeah, like everything else, I am I am somewhat of a technical nerd, and I do well. Let's also be honest. Okay, I'll say this: I do switch a lot, kind of. Okay. But in these, in this current situation, sometimes stuff's not available. Yeah. Um, you. You can't find it. It's on it, takes so long to order it, but you can find these in stock. So you shoot them. So I will say this when I first started shooting, I chased the mythical, you know, softest load. I never skirted the power factor. I was like, okay, no matter what, I'm never going below 130. But I want to find the softest load at 130. And so I did chase that for probably two, two years. Last year, I got a load going, and I shot it all year, and I never changed it. In in fact, the first match I shot of the year, they had a chrono. And I knew that it should be pretty good. I chronoed it. It chronoed it like 138. I said, hey, I've shot this whole match. I I won this match. This ammo doesn't bother me at all. I'm not adjusting anything. I'm not going back down to try to find a softer load. So I shot that entire load, and in fact, every time I chronoed it at another match, it went up in power factor. And so by the end of national, by nationals, it was 141. Holy and cow. And So yeah, I got to the point where I and I've gotten this luckily I've gotten this way over the last couple last about year or two. I'm fairly insensitive to recoil. Like you can hand me one gun and I like, yeah, I mean maybe, but I don't really I can't really tell the difference. To some I mean, there's you know what I mean for the most part. Um right. I'll go shoot even if I shoot a heavy gun, really, really heavy one, you know, I'll be like, Yeah, I can kind of feel, but at the same time, I don't care. So it used to seem like I noticed it a lot more, but now I just grip and and go. And so, and, and this gun is, it blows me away how accurate this gun is. So I shot this gun for essentially, what, a year? I guess I started shooting it around the beginning of 2019. So a year and a half, at least. Maybe even into 2018. Uh, I think it was into 2018 when I started shooting it. I got them. I've been shooting this gun for over a year and a half and I wasn't getting anything from anybody. So, I mean, I can, so I've always told people, you want to know what somebody really thinks, look what they're paying for. You know what I mean? If they're paying for that, then, then that's what they like. And I've got open guns, I've got guns. So it's not the cost of the gun. You know what I mean? Which just happens to be a a, a plus, but this gun is accurate. It's very, very accurate. And um, I like it. So that's basically what I did, but to get back on the ammo, so, yes, I was shooting 147s. I think, though, this year I'm going to go to the 124s. So just after I just got done saying I was recoil insensitive, I still think, <laughs> I've started to think I like the lighter, faster bullet. Okay. And, and it's, 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 it's just a different feel. So well, even though and, I just, like, I can't tell, I can kind of tell.
0: <laughs> well, and that's where I was going to go with that because as fast as you shoot, um and as fast as you are with your draw and all of that, I was kind of surprised because I kind of felt like the 147 would operate the slide a little slower, and maybe yeah. the 124s would operate that slide a little faster.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, I've heard people say stuff like that. I've I've never really thought of it that way. I, I mean, because in my mind, it, it either one of them is so fast that it, it can't be slow enough to show up on the clock. Well, definitely I, not for me. Yeah, but well, I mean, I'm not at your level. You, I mean, you hear these numbers. I've heard numbers so like we're talking like zero, zero, zero nine is you know is how fast that that slide cycles. You know, it's it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right number is. I will say this. Again, I nerd out and I waste a lot of time and energy on a lot of things, but I don't not too much on this. I kind of just, I just like the feel of it and. I've accepted over the last year or two that I was like, Hey, look, the gun's going to do this. It's going to go up and down. I don't care. You can't stop it. I quit trying to stop it. And so now I just want to be able to shoot that next shot as fast as possible. Uh, So I want the gun to just come go up and down and I'm okay with it going up and down faster. Um, And even me perceiving that as far as, Oh, that's a, that's a uh, sharper impulse, but it's back. It's back faster. So I don't know, and I, again, it's one of them deals, I I'm, i feel like I've been contradicting myself for the last five minutes uh, on all three of these topics, but <laughs> I can't tell if it recoils, but I like the, the, the softer recoil, and I can't tell if it's faster, but I like the faster cycling, so um, <laughs> I don't know, man, I just like it's the gun. The I like, I, yeah, yeah. I I think I'm having a stroke out here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I overthink everything, but at the same time, sometimes I just go quit, quit overthinking it and go with it. So, so no, I'm probably going to shoot 124s. I shot 135s all last year. Basically what happened was I started, I had some 147s on order, got them, started shooting them. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of a thump, like a push. And I like the snap. So I haven't really processed the time. I just know one feels like a push and one feels like a snap. I like the snap better now.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. That's what, that's where I was going. Now I will say, I saw your offhand group at 25 yards because you were talking about the accuracy and that is a a great group. When I first got my SFX, now I'm, I'm a precision shooter guy. Okay. Okay. So everything, my problem is too, like if even at a hundred yards, if I, if I'm shooting a rifle and they're not all in the same hole, then I have a meltdown. Yeah. Um, So when I was zeroing my Canik when I first got it, I benched it just to see what it would do at 25 yards. And I got a three-quarter by one-half-inch group with five rounds. I believe it. And I was like, uh, I will never be able to shoot this without it being benched. So this gun outshoots me. This is the perfect gun. Yeah. So I was very impressed with it. And and again, like even your offhand target was very good.
1: Yeah. So on Saturday, I... Saturday, I shot a match. So, Sunday, I went out and shot. And the first thing I wanted to do was test these new um, jacketed hollow points that I've got. They're 124s. So, I basically said, Hey, this is what I was loading with 135s. That was a jacket. That was a lead bullet. This is a jacketed hollow point, but it's 10 grains lighter. So, I was like, All right, let's go to 3.8 grains. And then somebody else at shooting mechanics said they were shooting 3.8. So, they were getting 137. I was like, Okay, this will be 133 to 135. I'm going to chrono them, but I'm that's where I think I'm at. And I basically pulled the gun out, put five rounds in my magazine and set my target up at 25 yards and shot a group. And it was the one that I posted on Sunday um, where I basically just show a picture of the group and the gun. And I think I show a picture of the bullet in the magazine. That was my first group with this gun, with this ammo and this gun. And I don't, I'm going to pull it up, but I, that's an inch and a half group at 25 yards offhand. And I did it two or three more times. So then I get the bright idea. Like, hey, now I've got to show people this on live. So I did it. And then my groups pretty much went to about two and a half to three inch groups at 25. And I was just kind of pissed off. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking That's at that. It, it always happens. But yeah. So I was like, oh, no, nobody's going to really believe me, you know, that it was that good. But it was. And uh, and so then get this. Yesterday I go out and I, and I'm like, well, let's do it again. And, um, I shoot one about as good as my first group on Sunday. This was yesterday. And I was like, oh man, I did it like a couple more times. And I was like, guess what? We got to go live. And then I brought up live and they opened up just a little bit. What usually happens is is you have really good ones and then you'll have one flyer and that Mm -hmm. flyer pisses me off. Uh, (laughs) it's usually me probably, probably, but at the same time, I'm not really sure. So I have a theory, and on the live, I talked about it. I've deleted the live off my uh, off of my Instagram. But basically, I think that when you put the... This is completely crazy, and I'm getting very nerdy, and just bear with me. That's okay. So when you basically put a magazine in the gun and you rack the slide manually, I don't feel that that's the same as when the gun slams back and then slams forward. I agree. And, and you have the trigger depressed. So I'm like, okay, I want to... I've even gone as far as basically putting six gun, uh, bullets in the magazine, firing a shot into the berm, and then shooting the next five, right? I wanted to see that, if that had any benefit. So I, I didn't do none of that, but what I'll do is I'll lock the slide bag. This, what I'm doing is textbook not safe. It, it, it is safe, but it, it's going to throw up some red flags. I will point the gun at a berm. Pull, hold the trigger. This is what the slide locked back. Put it, the magazine in the gun. Drop the slide. The trigger's still depressed, right? It can't do anything until I let it go and then pull it again, right? That's not something I recommend. I probably shouldn't have even said that. Uh, <laughs> said but what?
2: Exactly. What? Do not try <laughs> this at home.
1: <laughs> do not try that. It's It, it actually – so my whole point to all this was it doesn't make a difference because this gun, while the gun is super accurate, which is amazing for the tolerances as, as it has, it's traditionally – these guns now, they're not made like these 1911s that are on rails or whatever you want to call it. So, basically, I get mad because they're not all in the same hole. Yeah. Like a rifle. Gotcha. Like, a, like a rifle shooter, which I've never actually shot much of. Okay. Other than sighting in deer rifles. But then I want them all in the same hole. You know, right. at, a, at 100. <laughs>
0: all right. So... Uh, okay. May try to ask everything I had written down while you were talking. So last year you were second to Max Michelle at nationals and carry optics. Um, now what is your plan this year to dethrone Max? <laughs> Are you well, going to Nancy Kerrigan him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm available. <laughs> I, well, I, you know, it's funny because I've been watching that movie. I, Tanya. it came on the other night and I, I, I watched it and I was actually very, it was very entertaining because um, I remember all that stuff when it was going down. I was a young kid. But anyways, n- no, I would imagine that, you know, everybody would love to Tanya to, to Harding Max, but um, no. I, so no, obviously not. But I know, I mean, everybody's going out there to hopefully have their best showing and um, and, and hope that that they can get, you know some things that goes their way um and that's kind of all I really can do it's really all I did last year was basically just try to go out there and shoot um you know shoot each stage like it's you know separate but together and just try to execute so that's really all I'm going to do this year Uh, I hope that by practicing, uh, I got a late start this year, later than I wanted. But hey, that's okay because last year I had some things that I had to fight through, and still had a great match. I mean, I dislocated my shoulder probably two months before nationals. I was going to ask
0: you, how's your shoulder doing?
1: uh, It's doing pretty good. It's doing pretty good. I think it's. I think it's. I'm very pleased with it. But I tell you what, around April this year, March, April, May, May Mayish. You know, I was kind of, I was tempted that I was like, I'm just not going to be able to shoot. This is too much pain. And wow. I just kept doing PT. So basically when I got back from Nationals, I started doing PT, went and saw someone twice a week and stuck through that until pretty much the end of April. And finally, finally, I mean it was it was weird because it just kind of almost started going just started going away on its own. I mean, wasn't on its own, but it went away. Once it started going away, it went away pretty quickly. Okay. So yeah. So anyways, I got a little late start of the year. I was supposed to shoot at least two matches that I backed out of. And so I would have liked to have been a little trained up, but by the time we get there, I'm hoping that, um, you know, I'm trained up as in kind of firing on all cylinders like I want to be. And then you just hope that, you know, Hey, I've improved and, uh, it's enough. And then I can go out there and have a good match this year. You know, there's going to be so many good shooters there. I mean, everybody that I can think of is going to be there. And so, you know, Hey, and then that's kind of more interesting because I just want to go out and, and, um, shoot and uh i think i'm pretty good and you know want to execute and hope that it's enough okay but max man, but we got to be fair you know i mean max michelle's he's um he's different man that guy's dang good yeah that guy's he, it's he's, amazing
0: he's like the american version of eric grafel
1: yeah and you know it's funny because like i've only been around for four or five years so i don't really know much of um previously of what went down necessarily but i know he's won a lot of championships and then i know he's won the last five straight for carry optics so this year though he's gonna have um you know with everybody showing up he's gonna have a lot of heat coming for him yeah so and uh, but sure. i but i expect him to shoot as, as good as he can and that's i mean that's really 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 good so he's gonna be tough to beat no matter what
0: well and and i'll you know the three of us were at nationals last year And after day one, when I looked at practice score, I was like, oh, he's in trouble. Because he was down like 80 or – I'll just say 80 points, something like that. I forget who was leading, but I was like, holy cow, he has dug himself a hole. And then he comes out the next day and wins all but one stage. And he was second on that stage.
1: And I won that stage. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, what in the (laughs) world? That one stage. I think I won – I might have won another stage or tied or something, but I had a lot of – but yeah, but yeah, he did. He came back, and I mean, he put on a show.
0: Yeah, I was that. Yeah, he's definitely got a different uh, gear.
1: Yeah. Well, he does. He does. I I don't know Max. Uh, I have met him. I met him actually before that match. And I mean, and when I say I met him, I know someone that knows him, and and he said, "Hey, I'm Max," and I said, "Hey, I'm Jason." We shook hands and and maybe said uh, something else, but that was pretty much it. Um. Max, I don't even know where I was going with it. Oh, Max just does a lot. I mean, he just does it about as about as good as it can be done. He rails and he does some good target transitions. I mean, he's he's I mean, look, I mean, look at the scores.
0: Yeah. He's very consistent.
1: But I will say this anybody's beatable. Um, so you would think. I mean,
0: <clears throat> yes, he's human. Eventually.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. human, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just for the record, you won a stage and you were second on four stages. Okay. Not that I have statistics or anything. Right.
1: I think I tied for one because it was the, with me and Luigi, I think we tied. But yeah. Okay. I think it was stage. I don't even remember. It was the one you had to do a lot of like single-handed shooting.
0: Oh, uh, I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Because but it was a I, timed time yeah, was, stage. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. I think I dropped like, I didn't drop very many points on that one. So I did, I did fairly well on that one.
0: Okay. Oh, Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a, that's a one year old Grey Dane. Mm. And he's as big as his two year old dad. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, So, I noticed that you've started doing every Sunday night, you're doing a um, like a live Instagram, but you're also starting to do some live training stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, so there's actually two questions there. So what brought about doing the Instagram live weekly and with the, all the training stuff you do, I've heard, you know, you've said in your, um, Instagram stuff that you've been helping other people out. So do you foresee yourself and you've helped with PSTG training summit? Do you see yourself branching into the training arena?
1: Probably not as far as something full time. No, I don't think so. Um, I I mean, not that I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, you know, when you think about it, like, hey, would you want to go shoot guns and talk about shooting all day long? Well, that's what I do all the time, all day long anyways, in one way or another. So, yes, I would love to somehow get paid for that. But as far as, you know, traveling across country every week or, you know, 25 weeks out of the year and, you know, training, I don't think that's going to something that would, would, you never know, but I don't think so for a couple of reasons. There's a couple guys already out there that are doing it that are phenomenal at, you know, and these are the people that I've, I've trained with personally, like Ben Stager. Um, I know other people are doing it. People that I want to take a class from like JJ. Um, I'm pretty sure Max does something along those lines. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's almost like they're kind of, you know, why do we need another person doing that? So, but at the same time, I don't mind. I want to help people. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy talking about this. So I can't do everything for free all the time. And to be honest with you, I don't charge really for what I do now, but if I was going to do any more, I would probably charge. I've had people ask me, Hey, would you come to a class for two days? And, and so, you know, right now this ammo shortage has kind of killed any of that stuff, but I would do something like that if it was somewhat near me and, you know, it it was just the right opportunity, right time. Okay.
0: Now what, what got you into doing your Instagram live weekly?
1: So I've been on several podcasts. I started the hit factor um, with a couple of the guys basically like, Hey, let's do a podcast. So we got that together. Um, You know, when you're doing a podcast with three other people, it's um, a lot of fun because you get to talk and, and and you get different ideas, but at the same time, you know, you kind of always have to be, Hey, um, somebody may say, I want to do this. And if you don't like it, you know, you're like, well, I don't want to do that. And then the next time you can't, you can't always be that way. And with four people, it's kind of hard to kind of everybody get on the same page. And so, you know, it was just that. And I didn't really, it's funny because I didn't, I'm going to contradict myself again here. Um, (laughs) I didn't really want to do something every week. (laughs) <laughs> so i would feel bad that hey i don't want to do it this week and i would do it anyways and that would just be kind of annoying for me mm-hmm. and okay, yes. you know so yeah so there was that then i basically started jumping on other people's podcasts and the cool thing about that was i had no say i was either i just either showed up or i didn't and a lot of times i would just ask questions so i didn't have to come up with material and i didn't have to like you know i just showed up and so that was pretty fun and still is fun. And then I just basically a couple weeks ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to just do live and I'm just going to see who jumps on and what we can talk about. Okay. And so, you know, in, 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 a lot of ways, the first one was my favorite one because I had a couple buddies show up, uh, Brian with uh, Hunters HD gold. I got him to jump on. We talked about some stuff cause you know, he, he's always traveling around. Mm-hmm. And so it just went so well the first time. I really enjoyed it, and I was like, "Look, all I got to do is um, basically hit live. I don't have to compress anything. I don't have to edit anything. I don't have to adjust audio levels. I don't have to upload it to a feed for you know RSS feed for a podcast. If somebody wants to watch it, they can watch it live, or they can come to my page and watch it. So while it may be weekly, and I don't, I'm not going to do them every week, but right now I will until I get bored. And I'll take a couple weeks off." But I literally come in here, hit live. Sometimes I'll say, hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, like last night we did it and we had the Area 3 director uh, candidates come on. And, you know, my reach doesn't have thousands of people in every area, but it's, you know, it gets, it'll get 500 views and I, it'll get more as it goes on. But those people, when they went live, any of their followers saw that they're live and they said, well, let me go see what Matt's talking about. Or let me go see what Don Rush is talking about. So they would jump on it. So and it was just really quick to the uh, simple questions to the point it was, you know, I had each person on for about 10 or 15 minutes. And so it's, I'm still figuring out what I'm going to do and going to let it kind of take its course and see where it goes. So that's why I started doing that. And I just had a lot of fun with the, with the weekly ones. And as far as the training goes, um i enjoy talking about shooting and why i'm doing what i'm doing and what i'm thinking about so i just started saying hey you know what um i started doing those first at the range i said and then i've done a couple on dry fire i said hey i'm going to hit live see who comes on see if they want to talk see uh there's anybody that wants me to demonstrate something or try something and a lot of it's like i really like to trick shot stuff you know and i I try not to focus too much on it but i like doing it so it's kind of like hey i'm gonna shoot these clay pigeons at 50 yards
0: yeah, I saw you were shooting those Yeah, yesterday. Um, so I'm going to switch around my order of questions since you brought up uh, the interviews you did with Don and Matt and actually Leif as well. Yep. Um, it was interesting. I-, I liked the format, and they were very simple questions, but still got different answers. Um,
1: yep.
0: When you interviewed Leif, you asked him if he would match direct for Area 5. Yeah. Um, and the the thing that I find interesting about that is we interviewed the Area 8 match director, so that episode will be coming out shortly. Um, the interesting part was what Leif, Leif said exactly what you guys mentioned about the Cornhusker Classic, which was the stages were the right size. There weren't extra targets just thrown in to get higher round count, anything like that. But the interesting thing is with Area 8 is there has been pushback that the round count wasn't high enough. Hmm. And when you look at the stages, I thought the stages looked pretty good. There was – um You know, even there's like one that's like 10 round stage, but it involves movement. It involves, you know, things you have to shoot around. So I felt like it would be you'd really have to be on top of your game on those shorter stages in order to manage a stage one because they're doing the Mm 3-2-1
1: style,
0: which uh, they did last year, which I liked a lot. It was really good. Yeah. You had a couple big stages, but you had some medium and, and short ones, which were really good. But um, I, w- I was kind of surprised to hear they got some pushback on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so not knowing the situation and everything, I would probably chalk that up to, and I might be wrong, but I would chalk that up to once you kind of get used to doing something, anything outside that is probably going to get kicked back or you're going to get kicked back in, in, griping that hey this is the same every time so i shoot a local match that's in uh you know about an hour and a half away from me and the stages are very very good but they are almost always the exact same flavor so it's kind of stale but that's just my opinion right so i try to realize that and then i just try to be like you know don't you know so the thing i liked about the Cornhusker classic was is like you said it was um not your typical I guess I to, to basically what I'm saying previously was is I'm used to shooting higher round counts now this is also kind of pre-COVID but you know where the you shoot a 10 stage match and the average round count's 27 you know oh wow so then you go to see that shoot these matches where the high one the highest stage was 27 rounds and that was one of them and the rest of them were like basically 20 to 22. so it was a little bit different and you know I'm used to going over here this spot and there's four targets And then going over this spot and there's four targets or eight shots going to this spot and there's eight shots right this one wasn't like that it was like you know there's two targets and then there's a steal and a target and you know and so it it just seemed to be really good um one of the things i want to give credit to those people working that match was they took feedback when they set the stages up some some of the people at that club basically said hey these are really good but could i suggest this and they this is before anybody shot it obviously and they they were Receptive and made those improvements, and it made the stages better. Um, so you know, another plus for them, but right, you're you're you know, that's the other thing, man. You're never going to please everybody, you're not.
0: But I thought it was interesting, and actually, your first thought was, um, because we found out more of the backstory, your first impression was the more correct impression. We'll leave it at that, yeah. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. All right. So getting back, I mean obviously we see what you're doing in training now, but when you're getting ready for something like an area championship or even nationals last year, what did your training look like the week or two prior to that championship or nationals?
1: Yeah, so tr- okay, so it was a little bit different because of last year for nationals I pretty much had to quit training because your shoulder, because my shoulder, it was okay. so. I, I was in. I almost canceled going the week. Okay, of. yeah, I almost did not go. It was that bad, and so um, I basically had to quit shooting and quit practicing for about three weeks. I tried to sneak a little bit in there, but I was very, very easy and sparing on it because it just it, it inflamed it and aggravated it more. But typically what I would do is is I wouldn't probably – I might start taking some breaks. So, like, normally I, I shoot either dry fire or live fire with a gun at least five days a week for at least 30 minutes a day, right? Okay. Um, and what I would do probably the week of is I'd probably take another day off or two in the, in there somewhere. I'd accept that, hey, you know, we're about three weeks out. Um, so a great example is that about three weeks I got another match. And so now I'm really just going to try to like yesterday I went out and I practiced and it was a good practice. I was, I was shooting really good. I was in control. Um, I kept, I was it just, it was, it, it, we've all had those days where they're really good. Of course, Saturday I wasn't as pleased with, but I had to basically tell myself, Hey, it's okay. Come back tomorrow. Really dial in on these things that you're really trying to get, you know, bear down on and these things that you're trying to uh, focus on or whatever and execute and we'll do it tomorrow. And I did. So now I'm basically, I'm not trying to, you know, get any faster or make any gains in speed. I'm just trying to keep where I'm at and all that stuff, but then execute. So I'm trying to basically get into that execution on demand mode and really trying to, you know, see more information in in, in a faster amount of time. And it's not actually that I'm trying to, I'm just trying to get myself to where I can see what I need to see, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. Because Absolutely.
1: You can go through a stage or a drill and basically not really dial in, you know, you might call it tunnel vision or hone in or zero in right um, on what you need to do. Let's talk. Let's just talk about specific spots on a target. And so when you really need to zone in and start tracking that spot, the spot, the spot, you know, on each target, that's the way I shoot the best uh, when I can see that much. And it's not, I just have to be disciplined and in control. But it's very easy for me to roll that back and just go brown, 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 and then when you do that, the hits start to go down. And so, you know, um, my first match was last week or the week before, and so this is only gonna be my second match of the year. And I overall I was happy. Uh, the thing about the Cornhusker Classic was, is you kind of alluded to it a minute ago, is it was a match where you kind of had to do everything pretty sound uh, because any any kind of mistake on a misstep and it, it was a little bit more critical in my opinion because of the high hit factors and um how fast the stages kind of were, would go someone you know so i'm a i'm a grand master but you know it wasn't crazy for a b or a class guy to just kind of rail on a stage and win it okay you know? yeah so i mean some of these stages were You know that's not something that typically holds on through a ten-stage match, but you know you get three or four stages that are won by different you know A-class guys when the GM and the M guys should be winning it. You know that that happens. So basically, I'm just really going to focus on execution and points. And and I know that if I execute, the points will be where they need to be.
0: Right now, are you going to keep the same five-day schedule?
1: I'll probably take off another day. So normally, what I do is I shoot and through and through the weekend I shoot i'll go practice on saturday shoot on sunday and then monday i take it off so like this week because we're you know a short week i'm taking t- today off which is tuesday but i'm going to get back on it so if this was a match so i'm going to shoot every day or dry fire or shoot every day this week and then monday i'll take off so the okay. week of that match i'll still take the monday off but i'll probably take the day off before the match too okay. or, or or if i don't i'll take like a wednesday off and just kind of rest and maybe even try to decompress and, and and quit. Not even and try my best not even to think about shooting, which never happens. I was gonna say good luck. Never. It never happens. I'm like, I'll get on, I'll go. Hey, I'm not getting on Instagram today and I'm not listening to podcasts and I'm not doing uh, anything with the gun, any of that stuff, and I literally will do every bit of it. <laughs> but but I'll usually not dry fire. So okay.
0: Now when you're <laughs> when you're at nationals, do you dry fire at all? Like in between the like at night at the hotel or,
1: no, I won't do it at night, but I will do it in the mornings. Okay, uh, so you yeah, get yeah. up
0: in the morning and dry fire.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll even you know go to the warm up bay, and and do a little bit of live fire, which I think is pretty typical what pretty much everybody does.
0: Right now, what do you what are you looking to accomplish when you go to the warm up bay?
1: Um, you know. First thing is really check to make sure you're still zeroed in where you where you want to be, which usually is the case, and then just kind of get that feel of slinging that gun up with ammo loaded, hot and popping off some rounds, getting the just getting the feel of it. I mean, it's like anything else. Um given the given the chance, you know, you don't want to shoot your first stage never having popped a round off that day when you yeah. can go to, to the to the warm up bay and do some draws and fires and and transitions, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's just and, that I kind of liken it to. Uh,
0: Chris will enjoy this analogy. I kind of liken it to when you're playing football, you get that first hit out of the way. Yeah, mm. that's what going to the warm-up bay is. You know, you're getting those first recoils out of the way. So when you when you go in there for that very first stage, you're already ready for it. You're, you know what I mean. There's no anticipation. No. There's nothing.
2: Yeah, makes sense. Good analogy.
1: I like it. <laughs> I mean, there there is something to that because, I mean, I played football a little bit in high school and, um, uh, you know, I was running back and you kind of get that, you know, like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to hit this dude, you know, and you kind of, once you kind of get that pain out of the way, yeah. the next, the little bit of pain after that or each down each, each is not as bad. It's kind of like stepping into a cold pool or a hot bath, right? You just kind of have to jump you can right ease in. in. You can try to ease into it or you just jump right in.
2: You right. once, you get that, once you get that first hit, it gets the jitters out. It gets yeah. you get you get comfortable and you're like, ah, oh, here you yeah. go. Now, yeah. now I know where, where I need to run, need to go, and everything. So, yeah. I, I feel yeah. you.
0: I, I'm a terrible skier and I know I'm gonna fall. So I always that first run, I make sure I fall. I get it done, yeah. get it out of the way. I'm like, all right, I'm good, let's go again. Yeah. <laughs> so, now you mentioned um the stage, I forget which one it's at nationals. That was, it was, uh, there were two aspects to it. It was a time stage where it was all strong hand in one box and then all weak hand in the other. Yeah. And h- how often do you train strong hand, weak hand?
1: That's a great question. Um, I don't want to say every practice, but probably at least once a month. Um, okay. In live fire, I'll get out there and shoot a little bit, uh, weak hand and strong hand. Um, I will say the one good thing, you know, uh, let me let me, let me me back this up again. So starting shooting IDPA, every match you shot weak hand or strong hand or both. Every match you ever go to, they will throw in some one-handed shooting. So you knew it was coming. And so you basically would get out there and practice if you wanted not to have it bad time at that because i'm a big believer in hey if you don't like this you don't like it because you're not good at it so go get good at it and then you'll be amazed on how much you like it and so i'll get out there and practice that and i'll make myself do the things i don't want to do I-, I say that i try to make myself do the things i don't want to do but um as far as shooting one handed and we can uh left and our strong hand weekend that's something i actually enjoy doing i don't spend the time on it you know every time because it's not it's doesn't pay out as much when you know you'll go you'll shoot a whole year and not shoot any i mean unless you shoot 30 matches i mean it's very possible to shoot six major matches and not have any weekend or strong stronghand so okay so you know i think a lot of people neglect it because you know it's not something that they're going to see every match every stage you know you might see it one stage out of every four matches you shoot you
0: know, and then and then you get to Nationals and Shannon's got you doing multiple stages of yeah.
1: one-handed shooting.
0: <laughs> yep. So. All right. I'm so uh, glad
1: there wasn't any prone shooting because I hate prone shooting. <laughs> yeah, it's not
0: really. Um, I don't even know. if Is that really even practical?
1: So, OK, I, I when you started saying that sentence, I knew the word practical is going to come out. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. Here's how I look at this. And this is just my opinion. And I'm just some guy, but there's nothing very, I don't look at what we do as practical. Okay. So I wish people would quit saying that because then they use that as an excuse to do this or do that. I'm like, look, you know, we're shooting at hostage targets. We're shooting targets on the move. You know, we're doing all this stuff that you would not do if this was a real life situation. That's just my opinion. I don't mean I'm right, but that's just my opinion. So, and I think some of that's because when I started shooting IDPA, some of the people thought that what they were doing was a little more serious than what I thought it was. Uh, and, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> I've heard people, USPSA will get you killed. These are IDPA shooters. USPSA will get you killed in the streets. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> so I, to me, it's it's a sport. It's a test of accuracy at speed, and it's nothing more. Agree. I mean, I mean, you're not running... I mean, who's carrying... First of all, who's walking around carrying their carry weapon as a PCC? Nobody. Nobody's carrying open guns. Nobody's carrying the guns that we shoot in Limited. Nobody's carrying the guns that we shoot in Carry Optics. Right? Nobody's carrying those guns.
0: There might be one.
1: Well... I mean there's always one and there's there's you know there's some but overall the majority of people are not carrying any of these guns. If you carry a gun, it's gonna be a typically a carry gun made for duty carry carry or duty carry or whatever you want to call it. A smaller size of what you may be shooting in competition, right? Yeah I mean I'm not I, carrying a full size TP9 SFX with a dot with extended base pads around.
0: No, 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 no. But I do carry an elite combat. With an RMR. And that, makes,
1: and that makes sense though. But that's a smaller okay. gun, right?
0: And, and yeah, it is a
1: small one. Well, yeah,
0: the SFX barrel's huge, so yeah,
1: yeah. And that's a good gun. And 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 you're also probably carrying legit self defense ammo. That might be true. That's probably 160 <laughs> power factor. You know, I don't know exactly what it'd be, but it's not gonna be 130. It's gonna be right. hot, yeah. hot ammo. <clears throat> yeah. And you're also not running around and putting gamer goo all over your hands. Well, hold (laughs) on. You (laughs) maybe wait a minute. This looks like a bad situation. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Then you've got it all over your clothes, (laughs) right?
1: Labor's like, What's all that white stuff all over you? Like, uh, not not, yeah, let's just move on. Well,
2: that could go so many different ways, exactly.
0: (laughs) All right, so last thing I got for you is. (laughs) So are you going to come to Virginia state and win a, win a belt? Uh,
1: I I don't know. I got to look at, I got to look at the uh, old map and see how far Virginia is, but I think Virginia is awful far. Uh, So, you know, I don't want to say never, but I'm not a big fan of driving over about eight hours. I'm not even a fan of driving eight hours, but, um, anything over three hours, I get kind of, uh, not fun to be around yeah
0: yeah i i my kids and i um drove to texas one year and i live 20 minutes from where the state match is held and we stopped in little rock overnight and that was about 12 hours
1: yeah yeah and so then you had another five or i don't exactly know yeah, how it was far about Little five. rock yeah, to, to, yeah depending on where you're going to six. texas well, yeah. depending on where you're going in Texas, it could have been another 12 hours, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: I have driven straight through from here to Houston. That's a 20 21 exactly. hour drive. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I would imagine it's a 20 hour drive or well, maybe not that far. It's it's, it's at least 12 from my house to where you're at probably. I'm going to say 12 at the minimum. Mm. Okay. And I don't want to drive that. That's a long But drive. at the same time, you never know. You never know. I do want to get out and shoot other matches. So that is a possibility, but I like the belt. You know, I saw that. I knew that once I think I said that, I think you were the one that commented and said, Hey, we, we've got one in Virginia. And then some other people and I had basically remembered that that was the case. And it, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty funny. I like that.
0: Yeah, it is pretty, pretty neat. Well, that's all. Uh, Chris, you have any questions?
2: Uh, actually, no. Um, I think it's been really fun listening to you. i uh, congratulations on uh, getting uh, the sponsorship with uh, canic and uh,
0: absolutely I'm thank very you very
2: happy with that because uh being a canic uh, shooter myself meaning that I shoot the canic I ain't sponsored this right. we sure say that I'm not sponsored but I love the gun um, it uh, I fell in love with it the first time I picked it up and um, I was like oh my god this thing fits my hand and I have a very large hand so yeah you know it it just felt comfortable. It felt good. And uh, I was very pleased with it. Um, but uh, uh, I wish you the best. Uh, Thank I you. Hope to, I hope to see you out there and uh, be able to kind of laugh with you. And you can laugh at me as you be like, oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, that's I'm, what he meant I'm about great. trying to slow down.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can, like, if you hear something, like, you're like, man, is that a Jake break I hear over here somewhere? That's usually me trying to slow down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, you. you know, this year I'm actually thinking about slinging on the parachute. You know, there you go, popping that as I'm popping it. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll help. Thank yeah. you very
1: much. Uh Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm very excited to shoot the gun uh officially for Canik. Um I, I really like the gun, as everybody can tell. So I mean, all you got to do is, just, if you just go back and look at through some of my posts. I mean, so obviously I like the gun. So uh i'm excited i want to basically i really enjoy shooting it and showing how accurate it, it, it is because it's it's kind of a marvel or it's amazing to me that um the you know the technology we're at now um everything's made faster right mm-hmm. and so typically you're thinking you know you can have quality speed or you know cost and pick any two right um but I'm really pleased with this gun. You know, the price is definitely right. I, I'm, I really like the quality and, um, what, what was the third one? But, uh, you know, it, and it's, you get them. Cost. So yeah, the cost yeah. anyways, but it, it's a good gun. Uh, it's very accurate. I like showing it off. So
2: yeah,
0: good. I, I mean, it's, it's as good as any gun out there, uh, and definitely beats 99% of them price wise. So
2: Yeah. And I, I agree yeah. with you so much on that. And matter of fact, um, you know, you look at the, the competitors, competitors out there, as in other companies. What Canic gives you compared to the, some of the other companies, what they give you, what you purchase, it's like it's it's almost like a night and day because you get more with the Canic than you do with other purchases. You know, so.
1: Yeah, I mean the gun really does. There's a couple other guns, but this one comes out of the box and you can shoot right. it in a match. It's it's really ready. Um, there's a couple other ones, but it comes with really good sights. Uh, it even comes with a holster. Right. And I can't remember yeah. if it comes with mag pouches or not. But um, anyways, it's a good gun, and and it does. You do get a lot uh, for what you're what you're paying for. I mean, you get a lot of bang for the buck.
2: Yeah,
0: for yes. sure. Just pun intended.
1: Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, Jason, we thank you for coming on. Appreciate your time and everything, all the information you shared. It was a good time.
1: We enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a good time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Very welcome. You have a great evening. You too.
1: Until next time.
2: Don't be a little bitch.
0: Yeah.